And I'll tell you guys since we're, since we're all friends. Every character I write has a piece of me in them. Hi, I'm Lee Bardugo. You're listening to The Grisha Cast. Welcome to Grisha Cast, episode 103 and a half. In this episode, I will be joined by my friend, silent partner, Ringsa agent of the Grisha Cast team. This is your host, Eric, from Nashville, Tennessee and also a birthplace to the iconic lift from the 80s classic Dirty Dancing in Virginia, this is your podcast for all things Grishaverse. Woo! A world created by the lovely Lee Bardugo. So, moi savayani casters, it is I, and I am not by myself. I have a lovely friend with me. I would like to introduce everybody to a very secret person. She's, um, yeah, she's part of the Rinksa agency, but also on the Grishcast staff. Everybody, give a do to Amelia. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here with Eric. Um, I really appreciate him preserving my privacy. We joked that I am a member of the Haringsa Network, deep undercover in Fierda for the Robkin Crown. So we're going to do this to preserve that that very important uh, secret. Hey, I love it. And it's wonderful. So I am... So you are from Virginia. Did you catch my little intro where I said the birthplace of the iconic lift from the 80s classic Dirty Dancing? I did. And I have seen that movie, I mean, a couple times, but it has been a couple, it has been a minute, let's put it that way. Um, And I I will confess, I had kind of completely forgotten that it took place in Virginia. So Well, I didn't know until today. And I like, (laughs) I then was like, oh my God. Okay. So that's why I missed like, even like trying to say a oh, world created by la 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 Lee Bardugo. Yeah, I um was too obsessed with getting the dirty dancing thing in. And don't worry, that was just putting the intro together when I found out like that dirty dancing took place there. I then decided to like, ooh, maybe I should get some pictures of that lift. And I like had this whole idea. I started getting all these dirty dancing pictures together and realized I need to probably work on the episode. So um I, I think what you've done is once we're done recording this, I'm going to be watching Dirty Dancing because, like I said, it has it has been a long time, and I think it definitely deserves a rewatch. Well, don't worry. Then you wait because once we're done with this episode, I'll have time to actually plaster my face on these pictures um, because that's what I was planning on doing. So it'll be me and Patrick Swayze doing the practicing the lift. <laughs> I just appreciate that you didn't have time to put the avatar doing the lift. That would have been a lot. I know. That would have been cute. Um, Yeah, I didn't realize um, how many people, if you Google this lift, a lot of people, like, have tried to reproduce it. And, um, yeah, there's all these different names for it. But, I mean, I was like, it's a lift. But it was an iconic thing. Because here's my thing. That song, like, I mean, this was... This was my preschool graduation song, actually. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we sang it. And I, like, wow. it was really cute. Um, But I love the song. Like, I mean, I, and this is, like, so iconic. Like, I just, like, I loved that movie then. But it was so, um, it was, like, risque. Yeah. 
No, I, like I said, I think, I don't think I've seen it since it was, I was still young enough for it to be risque. Mm, Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, it's kind of a rite of passage, that film. It is. And I've actually met some people that have never even met it, never heard of it, don't know what I'm talking about. And I just like, what? Like, that blows my mind. Like, you don't know anything about putting baby in the corner? Come on. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Like, I feel like it's a cornerstone of cultural literacy, right? Like, lines like, nobody puts baby in the corner. Like, there are just things that you should, you should see Dirty Dancing just once, just so you understand those cultural references. And I will admit, when I was younger and I was excited because the name was Dirty Dancing, I didn't think the dancing was as dirty as I was, I guess I was wanting it to be dirtier. It's not dirty dance. It's dance. Like they're just dancing. It's not like, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of interesting. I was like, this is called dirty dancing. Hmm. Okay. Well, they should see today now. <laughs> um, anyways. Um, so I thought that was a really cool little fact about your state that that was filmed there. So, um, should we just move right on into things? I think we should. Cause I mean, Grisha verse is amazing. And we, we've wanted to do this together for a long time. This has been a long yeah. time coming. So yeah. I can't believe we finally are here. Cause how long ago did we, like, I remember you saying like, you'd love to do this like years ago. And it was like, well, I don't think it was quite years ago. I think it was, I was actually trying to think about this today. I think it was last March. So March of 2021 that you and I first talked about me. That's helping it? Out the podcast. I, I swear. Like, I really think it was that. I think we talked a little bit, but that was when you asked me if I was willing to like help out. And I was like, sure. Okay. Um, and then, so maybe in the fall, we started talking about me coming on the podcast and, and chatting. Um, and then, you know, we had some, we've had some delays. So oh, well, yeah, of <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, and, but you were part of the staff and you're the silent partner. And, but I think it's great because our staff is a very small little group of people, but we all are just obsessed with the Grishaverse. So it's amazing and it's fun because I love it. And yeah, so, okay, let's get on into this. So I, so your Grishaverse name, this is something I came up with um, that I just, I kind of obsess on because I love it. Um, I, I think it's neat to be able to like, change your name if you want or have it be a different spelling because I think that when you read through the Grishaverse, the names are very different and they have this different feel and I feel like everybody can change it if they want. So uh, do, you, do you have a... Most people have a different spelling, which is funny because I always ask what your name is and then it's like we turn into a... It's more like, okay, well, the spelling actually needs to be out, but we never type it up on the screen, but... Is your, would you change your spelling? Would you have a different name? What would you do? So I kind of have two answers for this. Mm-hmm. And the reason is that for a while, when I would think about this, because I think whenever we read fantasy, we like to envision like where we would be in the world, um, mm-hmm. you know, of any type. And so my vision that was always that it would be Amelia with an E instead of an A. So E-M-E-L-I-A. And, and that just kind of evoked for me like, a Kirch housewife. Um, and so I, I kind of thought that that was just like the, my fate. And then Rule of Wolves came out. And 
It's a very, very, very small part, but um, there is a canon Grisha named Amelia in Rule of Wolves spelled the same way as me. It's a, it's a very, very tiny moment, but one of the Grisha who's saved from Perem by the antidote on the battlefield is named Amelia. Oh and God. so I was so happy. I felt it was like a personal shout out, though, of course, it wasn't. Um, and Amelia is one of those names where um, it, it's become a lot more popular. But when I was growing up, I was like the only Amelia that I knew ever. Yeah. Um, it was I really loved to see it. It was very fun. That's awesome. I think you're right still, though. Like, I don't know any other Amelias. Like, I mean, I don't think it's a very popular name. It's a beautiful name. But, oh, my God. You have to, like, send me that part um, that you're in. You know what I actually have always wondered? I don't know if you remember, but there was some kind of, like, it wasn't a giveaway, but Lee did something where if you won, you got to have your, like, a name or a character named after you in Rule of Wolves. I wonder who that was and what part, like, I mean, do you know? I don't. Okay. I have wondered, though, if if it was an Amelia or an Emily, you know, or something similar who ended up winning. And that's the name just because it's such it's such a small moment. Um, you know, she gets saved from the Perem and then like I think Nadia like pulls her off the battlefield. But mm-hmm. I've, I've I have wondered if, if that could be that name because I remember that contest as well yeah but it it wasn't me (laughs) it wasn't me either and I um I would have loved to um because my so I think it's funny thinking about this Grishaverse like name I remember when I started thinking about it and I was thinking about mine and so I go by a theory alki Eric because I just it it goes with it and then like E-R-Y-K. And I thought I was brilliant because I thought that was such a cool spelling until I reread A Demon in the Woods and realized that I didn't actually come up with that. I read it and just forgot about it because it's like the very first sentence. Um, Yeah, I thought it was like yeah. brilliant. I was like, so cool. And then like, I, yeah, it was funny. So, hey, well, it happens. And then do you really want to name yourself after the Darkling? I mean, that's a personal choice. You do you, but, you know, something hey. to consider. Hey, we got <laughs> M- Michelle is, like, so, like, part she loves the Dark. A lot of people love the Darkling. But, I mean, when I asked her what order and everything and what sub she, she would summon Shadow. She'd be a Shadow Summoner. So, and I, I was like, that is bold, girl, because I don't know anybody else that says they want to be a Shadow Summoner. But it's cool. You know what? Well, and I say, I remember listening to that, that, that yeah. podcast episode, and I really enjoyed hearing that she was just like, yep, that's what I want. And it was like, all right, go for it, girl. Love I it. know. I, lo- I love it. I love Michelle. So, um, <laughs> by the way, listeners, um, I know we keep talking about this, but we are so close to it, but the website will have a really cool test on it that we have created that will put you in your sub order and we've put a lot of work into it right now we're just finishing the art and like we are almost done like i mean it's going to be great our website is going to be a place where if you're a fan of the grishaverse you can come and have fun so anyways just letting y'all know you can um take your own test and find out um okay so what order would you be part of so 
I think I'm going to be basic and say squalor. Girl, that ain't basic. I'm a squalor. <laughs> yeah, I'm not basic. I just, I don't know. I, I wish I had a stronger like opinion about this. I just, I think, you know, wind is really cool. I've always kind of loved storms. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish I had, a, I wish I had a more interesting kind of explanation for it. Um, my avatar, as you can see, has her little squalor. I love um, it. You. Um, yeah. How did you get that, by the way? Like, I mean, can I get one? I mean, yeah. So the the avatar is from the Netflix Shadow and Bone website. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I, yeah. I, okay. So I'll have to go on there and get that. I probably am the only person that didn't, and that's funny. <laughs> And, and let me be clear. That's not actually what I look like. That's just like, you know, a quick, like, girl, I thought that was you. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, so I think being a squalor is really cool. Um, I am. Um, so one, yes, we didn't have a test really to come up with it. Um, I, I think like I started off by one, my favorite color is blue. Um, the keftas, they, um, the theory alki wear are blue. And I think like, so that's one thing. A theory alkis I thought were cool just in general, that group, because, you know, they summon stuff and I think it's really neat. Um, I do love water a lot. So like, but, so I was really close to being a tide maker, I thought, but I really think wind would be amazing to like, can have the power to do it. And, as we've progressed in our story, Zoya, she's she's my main squalor, my favorite character, and now she can control like thunderstorms and stuff. So I'm all about it. <laughs> I think too that because we have spent so much time in the books with squalors, we know a little bit more about what they can do, right? And mm-hmm. so I think like, you know, maybe tide makers, alchemy, like we we just don't have as many details about some of the nuances of their powers. Yeah. Whereas, you know, from, you know, a lot of the stuff from Ruin and Rising, you kind of learn about like different stuff that squalors can do, right? Like changing the air pressure to hear things that are far away. So I, I think, uh-huh. I think we have some extra details about squalors that maybe makes them seem a little bit cooler than others, even though I'm sure in Libra Dugo's brain, there's probably those details for every order. We just as readers haven't learned about them yet. Absolutely. Yeah, I um, I remember when I was reading King of Scars and Zoya was trying to find the demon. Nikolai had run off and she could tell by just feeling the air patterns where he was. Like, yeah. how cool is that? Yeah. Like, I just thought that was amazing. And like, I was like, it's like, yeah, that's what this is about. And I think it's neat. Um, yeah, just um and wind. I mean, if someone comes and like bothers you, like I mean, whew, I mean, just like blow everybody away. And yep. I do think it's funny because I always before I read about it, I was like, you could kind of try to work yourself into flying. However, I know I would crash myself into places. Um, but then Zoya like tries to do it at one point and it's not like she, yeah, I think it's in King of Scars. She's trying to like hoist herself up. That's right. It'd be like me. Yeah. And I think she like dislocates her shoulder. So like not, not too pleasant. No, no, but I do like that. They add kind of like, I think, um, part of squalors, like they do bring, I feel like they've got like connections to the weather too. Um, cause they do in the stories. It's just kind of neat. Yeah. 
So, yeah. so I think your answer is great. And I, oh. and I haven't met a, anybody else that's a squalor. So yay. Now I've got a buddy. I'm not the only yeah, squalor that makes out there. Thanks. So what's your story of how you got introduced to Lee Bardugo and the Grishaverse? So I love this question. Um, so when the pandemic hit in 2020, I was really just looking for sources of comfort. I think we were all kind of looking for that in some level. And I, w- I was really fortunate, right? Like my family was healthy. I had a job, but I needed an outlet. So I just started reading through like all the big young adult fantasy series of like the last decade. Because um, if there's one thing I cannot turn away from, it's a trope where like a peasant girl finds out she has magic and like has to save the kingdom. Like we'll never turn away from it. So I was reading like Ember in the Ashes, Throne of Glass, Folk of the Air that you like, um, mm. all those kind of books. But when I hit on Shadow and Bone, the story and the characters just really resonated for me in a way that the others, even if I really enjoyed them, didn't. Um, the characters were really great. I loved the combination of the hard magic of the soft science and kind of the uh, soft magic that you have with Merzost. Um, and then of course the Six of Crows are just like a whole other dimension. Um, so the whole like series, the whole world kind of became my my pandemic guilty pleasure. And I was really glad that I had it. That's awesome. And it's, it's true. I agree with you. Um, it there is something when lee like built this world i think it was just like just so brilliant because i love it when magic makes sense like you know and their magic it it makes sense they um they can't just make something out of nothing they have to summon things like and that you know that makes so much sense so and i agree i think it's um there's something about Shadow and Bone. I know it's her first book and it, like, I mean, her writing progresses and gets, you can watch it and it gets better and better. But Shadow and Bone, that story is just so like the fold and all that. It's just so new. I love it. So I think it like, if you read it, it like totally just like captures you and I, I, I was amazed when we got to finally see what the fold looked like. Like that was like a moment that was cool. And so I get it. Um, yeah. Well, and I was, I just, I just remember too, like searching for other people who had read these books. Cause I was so desperate to talk about them with somebody. Yeah. And I remember I would call my little sister and be like, can you please go read these so we can talk about them? But like, she was dealing with the pandemic in her own way. And it was not the reading fantasy novels. Um, and so that's actually how I found the podcast was because I, st- I was just so desperate to like experience this book with other people who loved it like I did. So I was so grateful to find you guys out there. That's awesome. Listening. Well, and the reason I started is because I needed someone to talk to about them. <laughs> like I didn't know anybody. Um, and yeah, so well, I'm glad you found us. And look, here we are. And it brings me, like, it's really cool because that's what, like, I love. Actually, that's probably one of my favorite things about this podcast is the fact that I've made so many awesome friends that we have the same passion. And, like, I just love this world so much. So I love making friends and, like, and being able to geek out and talk about it because I hadn't been able to do that before. And now 
that's happening. So that's awesome. Yay. So who's um do you have like okay, like a favorite book, a favorite novella? Um I know it's hard. No, well, I actually do. So my favorite book is Ruin and Rising. I think that is Lee Bardugo's masterpiece of what she's written so far. I just don't think there's a single sentence in that book that is unnecessary, right? Like mm. it's just, it's, it's perfect. Um, and I remember when you guys uh, were talking about it on the podcast, I think Terry said something like, that's how you do an ending. And like, I could not agree more. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of, I think it all just flows perfectly. So. And see, that's why I think that one of my favorite, like my favorite, like I love Lives of Saints, but I love Rule of Wolves so much too, because like the ending, like I love it when everything comes together and Ruin and Rising is an amazing ending. It, everything comes together and it's just, and it fits perfectly and it's so cool. Um, I do agree. And I love that she does the before and after for those. I, I wish she continued doing those. I, I wish it wasn't only a part of that, like, one trilogy. But, um, you know, at the same time, it's nice to just have those there. But, yeah. Yeah. The before and after are, are really lovely bookends, I think, for each of those stories. Especially because they're in first person, which can be, I think, a real challenge. Yeah. And it's it's just a neat way to open and close a book because it gives you just a it gives you a unique chance to be able to say what's going on with like also kind of like an easy way to like say what's going on over the world without having to like bring every character into the like like what are they actually doing so i right. think i think it's brilliant um but yeah ruin and rising it's it's so good i just um the ending it's crazy to be honest I think too, like Ruin and Rising, there's so much in there. I remember like right before, right before Rule of Wolves came out, I went back and reread Ruin and Rising because there's so much in there where like you think it's just like fun conversations that they're having at the spinning wheel, but like it's really layered stuff that like all comes into king of scars and rule of wolves like there, like i said there's just not a sentence in ruin rising that goes to waste and see that's why i love you because like those are the things that make me so happy like i love like well thought out books and connecting them later like and that's why i love the lives of saints so much like and couldn't wait for it to come out like oh my god like for when she when I found out that she actually was writing the Historia Sanctia, I flipped out because that's my favorite thing when an author writes a book that they created. Like that's just uh uh brilliant. And that book is filled with so many Easter eggs and they're so 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 cool. And I just love it when everything makes sense and it connects because so many like so there's a lot of fantasy out there, but there's a lot of fantasy that can, you know, get, you can accidentally think of this story and it's the same. Like, I mean, there's a lot of ways to unfortunately like copy other, it's not copy, but you know, just have a lot of things in similar, similar. And, um, 
I love that she, these are just, it's fantasy, but it's different. Like it's a whole different world. And I, she's thought about it and that's what I love. So. And I, I think too, like it's all in the execution, right? Like, what did I say? I can't turn away from like a peasant girl who finds out she has magic and has to save the kingdom. That's not a unique plot line, but the way that it's executed and the way she uses the characters, I think is to a large extent, or just, it's so incredibly well done. Um, and that's why these books stand out. Absolutely. Shadow and Bone, I actually um, I actually read that book when it came out in 2012. And the reason it hit me so hard was because of the fact of, I was going through some like, deep stuff um I think I've talked about on the podcast about on like sobriety and everything so that was like the year that I was going through that um and to pick up a book and read about a girl who's sickly and just doesn't feel good um but all of a sudden finds out that she actually is more than she's ever thought she is and she the person she's supposed to be actually doesn't feel sickly. She can feel great and amazing. And that's the way she's supposed to be. It was like too much for me to handle. It was kind of like, I was just like, I saw so much of myself. Like I was like, I needed that so much. And that's why like to this day, like I think like shadow and bone, pro- it, it means so much to me. I, I will, I say a lot of the times it is one of my favorite stories just because there's, there's parts of that book that got me through and I connected with so much. And Alina, even like when you get into Siege and Storm and she gets the second amplifier and tries that and uses that power, that description is, I'm sorry, it just reminded me of a pure like addict. And like, I just understood that feeling and it's so nice to feel that. And I think it's really amazing to feel that in fantasy as well. But yeah. um yeah, so I'm I'm glad we all have our own special connections to it. And that's why I love this question so much because I love everybody's got their own unique take on what they love and how they like yeah, there's so many awesome things. So do you have like a favorite character since we're on that? Like So I do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna score some points with you here, but you have to hear out my reason. Okay. So there are a lot of characters that have a lot of depths and I, you know, we've talked about why we love this series, but I think one of the marks is like, you can get really attached to the characters, even really minor characters, right? Like, like Nadia or Leonie. Yeah. But like I said, I'm going to score some points with you, Eric. Um, Cause I think I'm gonna have to go with Zoya. Oh my God. Okay. So now we're the like, yeah, this is too much to handle. Okay. We're squalors. You love Zoya. Hear me out there for why. Oh, so I think she's such an interesting example of watching a character change and grow. Because if you remember, Absolutely. she is one of the very, very first characters that we ever meet in Shadow and Bone. Because she's like hanging out of the like carriage, like making eyes at Mal. Um, and so then we see her through Shadow and Bone, through Siege and Storm. And like, she is awful. Like just unexcusably terrible um truly the regina george of the little palace yeah um and then with ruin and rising again like you see this great like two steps forward one step back of like zoya slowly becoming slightly less awful um but then we get to king of scars right where we really get to see her as kind of a a point of view character and 
I would argue that especially when you look at her chapters, as opposed to Nikolai's and Nina's, she's the closest thing we have to an unreliable narrator. Yeah. So I think that, you know, with the other two, we get a lot of emotions, we get a lot of thought presses, we get a lot of like internal monologues. Um, And with her, we see her have like actual conversations where she denies and just kind of elides past what she's, what she's really feeling. Um, And there's no real like internal monologue to the contrary. You Mm -hmm. see that both when she's talking to Juris and Elizaveta in King of Scars. So there's hints here and there, but I think it really keeps you guessing about her and her motives. While at the same time, I think it really stays true to the characterization of this individual who has so often prized safety, right? Above her own desires. Um, and kind of sticking with that in the long run. So I just think she's she's really well written, and I love the overall arc over oh. you know, seven books or whatever. I know it's amazing, and I because I, I my love for her started early on because I I'm sorry I love a good mean pretty girl. I love them. Like, I mean, like, I just do. Like, I mean, like, it's just so uh, she caught my attention right off guard. I was like, ooh, sassy girl is up in here. And she's being like, I mean, that line she gives to Alina, like, you smell like an orphanage or something. And I was just like, damn. I just, like, found that. I just thought, I, I knew there's more to that character. Um, and I was really kind of scared that she wasn't gonna go far but I'm so happy that Lee took her all the way to where she is um because it's amazing and yeah she has her arc is fascinating um and it it's brilliant because of the way you said it you're right I don't think I've ever realized that we don't get in her mind and very like it takes a very long time it's almost like we have to gain her trust by reading to get to like finally start to get some of what she thinks um yeah I think the writing's very different for her um and I I also think too like look I love Nikolai Lansov as well but like he's a tough character in a lot of ways and I think that you know giving him a romantic arc was always going to be really, really tough, right? Because if you created a character from scratch, like, I just don't think it would have gone well. So to go back to the very beginning and take, you know, almost an anti-hero, I think was, was, was perfection. Yeah, it was, and it was like, I, I, I think it's brilliant. I, um, yeah, we can go on about Zoya for hours. Um, <laughs> what I do think is neat is that in the show so far, she's just like this. People that don't know this story like saw her and probably didn't even think about her, but have no clue. Like that's a girl to watch out for, and you just wait. Like she's, she might only have a couple lines here and there, but they cast her knowing where she's going. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I, you. I think they're laying the groundwork there in the, in the TV show. Or I hope they are. It seems. To I be. hope so. Yeah, same here. So, thinking about that, what did you think of the Netflix adaptation of Shadow and Bone? So I thought it was really super fun. I'm looking forward to next season. They have yes. such a great cast, mm-hmm. um, and I really loved the kind of extra stories that we got. Um, I loved, you know, some of the casting choices that they made um, that, you know, differed from, from inside the book. 
Um, and I also really love seeing characters like Jesper and Bagra, um, who, you know, I enjoyed in the books, but really that 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 casting really brought new life to those characters. Absolutely. I have never loved Jesper as much as like, I mean, I liked his character, but he wasn't ever brought to life until I saw him on that screen. And that yeah. was amazing. And Bagra was, yeah, you're right. It's like, it's incredible. Um, it was a I, real, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna say, I do have one critique of the TV show, if I may. Oh, I got some too. Um, so <laughs> don't, don't at me y'all. I still loved the TV show, but I, this is my personal opinion, but I, I do think it's, it's worth mentioning. So in the second to last episode, episode seven, we get that little darkling backstory that centers on like oh, some of his pain and his angst um, being attributed to the the killing of his his lover, uh, this healer girl, Luda. When he creates the fold. When we yeah. See okay. So I have a real issue with this. Um, hmm. There's a trope referred to as fridging. And this is where a male hero, or in this case, an anti-hero, is given motivation and reason for his actions through usually the death of a woman who has no real agency or story of her own. And so to me, this is what was happening here. And it was just kind of sloppy and unnecessary, Um, especially because we do have such great backstory for the Darkling in Women in the Woods that is so good you know, doesn't rely on like, you know, something out of an old Mel Gibson movie, God helps all. Like, um, so I'll get off my soapbox now. That bit may have worked for others, um, but it did not work for me. It's only 20 minutes of the entire season, so I don't sweat it, but I do think it's worth mentioning as kind of a harmful trope. Hey, I get it. And I think you're right. Um, It's very important to put these things out there because I am... this podcast is because we love the Grishaverse. So, and that doesn't mean that we can't not like, I mean, there's going to be things we dislike. There's going to be things. And that's important to like, I mean, talk about you. Like, I would hope that everybody on this show that, I mean, my gosh, if we didn't like, if we just sugarcoated this to like, be like, yes, we love every single thing. Like, and never like, I mean, that's not the real world. So of course, yeah, there's, um, I never thought of it that way. And I think that's really awesome that you brought that to our attention. And because that part was, um, it's very, you're it's very unnecessary. Um, and they could have actually really just, I, the part that I enjoyed actually about just about that was just seeing the, it was after that. I just liked watching the fold being created. That was neat, but you're right. Um, it's very unnecessary to show like this woman getting like, I mean, and she had no story whatsoever and there's so many better ways to have done it. It could. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was unnecessary and a little sloppy, but you know, they had a lot to pack into, um, you know, just eight episodes. They did. But I wonder why they even put that in there. It's really like, I mean, is it so important in the first season to know that, I mean, like, I mean I, is it is is that just protecting him, like trying to make him like, okay, like he had a reason, this is why he's gone bad. Like maybe we should, like, is it, 
I think you've got Ben Barnes. He's very handsome. Um, you know, you've, it does seem, you know, even renaming him, right? So calling him General Kirigan and not the Darkling, I think they were trying to make him a more sympathetic character. And that's not, that's not wrong, right? You know, I think they, they made a choice and it'll be, it'll be really curious to see how that kind of unfolds yeah. over the next two seasons. So um yeah. Maybe we look at that demon in the woods background. That would be really fun. Well, and what's going to be neat is, I mean, this, this, the next demon in the woods is going to have more in it. I'm excited to read like oh. a book that had like, cause I, I like demon in the woods, but I will tell you that when I read that and I knew it was like the darkling prequel, I was expecting more. <laughs> I was like, I didn't expect that kind of story. I, um, yeah, it kind of, it really surprised me, to be honest. Um, I enjoyed it. I really did. But it was, like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting that. Um, it's, it, yeah. It, it's a short story. You it, know, I think, you know, whether or not we would ever want or get the full Darkling backstory, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I would never want it to take away from Alina's story. Um, so, you know, it's always that balance, right. Between loving a world and wanting every single thing you can get out of it. But also, you know, when is too much detail taking away from like the core stories that the author has decided to tell? I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what Lee thought was important to add to that story, you know? Um, what, cause that'll, um, we get to see that this year. Thank goodness. So I've got a question real quickly that has to do with the show and I didn't ask you ahead of time, but I just wanted to get your opinion on this. This is the part of the show that kind of like gave me, freaked me out a little bit. When you saw how the amplifiers actually were put on a person (laughs) besides the way they were described in the book, how do you feel about that? I thought it was really cool. I have to say, um, yes, my, my question is where they're going to go with it. So, because at the end, if I'm remembering correctly, like after Alina kind of like accepts her power, like the antlers like sink into her. So, um, yeah, I'm wondering a lot of fashion choices are going to be very hard. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think it's really cool. I think it's kind of darker and kind of grittier. Um, like just, you know, you can see, so closely like Zoya with like the um, tiger uh, tooth coming out of her arm. Yeah. And I, and you see that in the very beginning, but I still didn't expect, I guess I I didn't catch on. I didn't expect that because when, when they did that scene and we're not getting a necklace, we're not getting a collar, we're getting it infused into her. Oh my gosh. That was crazy for me um it just felt uncomfortable (laughs) i just like i mean you couldn't sleep but it makes sense yeah i mean i think it's maybe something that i think is probably more visually striking perhaps to to watch on television right than than seeing kind of just like a necklace being clasped around her neck so i'm wondering i'm wondering how much how much of the decision was aesthetic right because i right. think when you're on tv it's always like okay is this gonna look awesome great just do it which like i'm here for don't get me wrong yeah um or you know if there is a larger you know comment on 
um, amplifiers and the nature of amplifiers that will be made. I don't really know. We'll have to see what they decide to do. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to get your opinion because uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. And it kind of like was it really threw me. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was like, that's freaking me out. <laughs> like, I just like automatically was like, that would be so uncomfortable. You could never sleep. I mean, and then supposedly like, you know, she covers it up with a scarf in Siege and Storm. That's not going to be easy because covering up a collar, but like jetting out. Amp- Oof. Well- I just. Can't run yeah. into people. Can't really hug I mean, people. Got to be very careful. I mean, that's what I'm thinking about, I guess. Like, I mean, you know, hugging people is not going to be easy. I wouldn't want to hug somebody with antlers coming out. Uh. It's fair. You have, you'd have to wash the prongs very carefully. Yeah. So, okay. Still, amplifiers are amazing. They are my one of my favorite parts to the book. So, um, okay. L- last little question for you. I am very interested in this. Uh, what would you be the sancta of? So this was the hardest question out of all the ones we talked about discussing. That's why I'm excited. I kept thinking like, I would be the sancta of reading or I would be like the sancta of like, whatever. And then I was like, no, <laughs> this is real talk, y'all. Uh-huh. I am the sancta of not doing your dishes. Oh my God. Because here's a life lesson that I realized lately. If you don't do your dishes, like before you go away from a long weekend, nobody comes to arrest you. Okay. Should you do your dishes? Yes. Okay. But like at the end of the day, life is short. Nobody is going to get you in trouble. If you don't do the dishes, if you're an adult, something else to look forward to if you're, if you're not an adult yet. Um, so there, that's my life lesson. I am the sancta of not doing your dishes. Do something you enjoy instead. Oh my God. Okay. So you are like, so are you like, I mean, my question now is do you like, I mean, are you rigid and like, I mean, dishes have to be done? No, you're saying like, I mean, they can just sit there and pile up. I'm saying, you know, don't be like dirty or unhygienic, but at the same time, like if there's something that you would like to do better, life is short, go do that instead. That is a very good life lesson. (laughs) I like that. And I love it. Um, Eric will now never come to my house for dinner after he's heard this secret about me, but that's okay. actually, no, it's fine because I hate doing dishes. Um, like I really like, and I remember like when I was younger and didn't like the apartments didn't have like dishwashers. So like doing dishes was like doing dishes. Ugh. And, um, yeah. So anyways, I think it'll be great. So we've got to get moving. That was amazing though. We've I can't believe we've already spent so much time and we were just in the introduction introduction questions. But hey, we have wanted to do this for a while. So we've got a fun little game that we, it's called, okay. So my idea was, you know, we all are wondering, what is season two going to be like? How's that going to happen? Because, I mean, we all know the stories. How are they going to go from here? So... At first, I was, like, talking to Amelia. I was like, okay, so maybe we should, like, just discuss and kind of, like, try to figure it out. And Amelia was like, how about we take it a step further? How about we just be the writers in the writing room and write what the season will be like? And I was like, okay, challenge accepted. So um, that is what we are going to discuss and kind of go through. So... 
Real quickly, I think it is important to understand where we kind of left off with the show um, before we get anywhere else. Like, I mean, just a lot, a lot of stuff happened in the end, but you will remember it. But there are some key things to remember. Like, so Alina escaped the skiff with the crows, um, Mal and Zoya, and Alina gives Kaz a jewel in exchange that he not share any information about her or that she's alive. I think that's a very key thing that they threw in there, by the way. Um, so they all go their separate ways and crows are going back to Ketterdam. Zoya is going to see if her family survived from the Darkling attack. And Mal and Alina are going off to figure out still how to destroy the fold. Oh, and Nina and Matthias are now at their horrible disagreement area, like part where, you know, he gets arrested and she's like, I was trying to save your life and he hates her. Um, the crows are all on the same ship going back to Ketterdam where they discuss their needing a heart render. Nina overhears. We know where this is going. Last scene, Darkling walks out alive from the fold and who's he got with him? but the Nietzsche Voya, which is great because it's just like how it, that was an amazing ending. Did you like it? Like, I love that. Yeah, I did. I thought, I mean, just th that last scene where he, he oh comes God. out of the fold is really, really just incredible. And it, it sets it up for, I think a lot of, a lot of different ways that the, that the writing room can take it. I agree. And it's kind of like the Volcra. I was excited to see what they look like. The Nietzsche Voya, they're huge. Like, yeah. that is insane. Yeah, they're oh. really cool. <laughs> okay, so what do you think? Like, I, I'm going to let you go first. Like, I mean, that's Okay, fun. so I, this is tough, I have to say. I, I kind of see why they have a writing room, right? Like a whole kind of group yeah. of people to come up with ideas. Because I, I, I confess, I kind of pitched this idea to Eric and then kind of regretted it when it came to <laughs> time to sit down and do it but here's kind of my rough outline of what I would do so they're all in perch right they're all headed to Ketterdam as far as we can tell I would kind of cut out Novia Zem altogether right so I would have everybody just goes to Kerch maybe Alina and Mal head to the countryside to work on the to work on a farm just like in Novia Zem except they can you know work in the fields instead of packing Jura. So wait, the you're saying time, Alina and Mal still are going to are you they're not going to Kirch, right? Or they're going to know you No, I would I would have them go to Kirch. So everybody goes to Kirch everybody. on the same boat and they go their separate ways. Okay. So that's assuming that they were on the same boat because like they are on the same boat. We don't really know that though. Because well, I did, kind of assumed that. I see someone else said that, but also like I <sighs> We don't really, I don't think we really know. We know that they all went into like onto ships, but I don't think they're on the same boat. I don't, but maybe I will have to look back and see. Okay. Um, okay. So they're all going to Kirch. In my version, they're all on the same boat and they all go to Kirch. And then I would have them split up because here's what I want to do with the first episode. I want to introduce Stormhond, but I don't want to do it as it's done in Siege and Storm. I want to do it with the crows. I think you could have a really, really fun intro where Sturmhand, you know, 
our favorite privateer has like already run afoul of Kaz Brecker and like comes back onto the scene, like owes him money, like tried to cheat him and failed. Like, I think, I think there's a really funny way somehow to like introduce that character Yes, and set the crows up on their own path. Because what I would do is, you know, in season two, I would basically pick, excuse me, episode two, I would basically pick up with Siege and Storm with having the Darkling find them, you know, take them on the whaling ship and go from there. And then I would not have the two stories connect again in season two. I would really want to focus on giving the crows time to like really come together as a team as much as you can at this point in the story, bring Nina on board, deal with Dreesen, deal with uh, Pekka Rollins at this point, and, and get us some time to enjoy Ketterdam. I mean, that to me is just the, one of the joys of Crooked Kingdom is, is spending time in this city. Um, and we didn't get enough of it, in my opinion, in oh. season one. I don't know what you do with Matthias because he's in Hellgate. Um, so maybe, I don't know, the trials and tribulations of the Kirch court system. Well, yeah, uh, he's just waiting there. But I would, I would keep them separate. The reason being is that I think at the end of season one, you have this moment between Inej and Alina where Inej kind of says, while they're sitting around their sad little campfire, like, you know, if you ever need me, I'll be here for you. And I just think that like paying forward that debt and having Inej come through and come back to help Alina is going to be so much more powerful if it's done in season three. So let the crows do their own thing. They really deserve their own time to shine. And then I would stick with Siege and Storm as basically as closely as I could. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, I love it. I didn't do, like, so I think that's great. Like, I, I didn't go and think about scenes. Uh, I mean, episodes. I kind of was trying to figure out, like, okay, like, how could this work? Um, because... So, like, I mean, I, I get it. Like, I had to kind of go back and remember, like, so I went, that's why it was important for me to remember, how did this end? Like, where did we end up? And because we, we all know, like, I mean, the, like, I mean, we, the only stuff that we saw in the first season that had been written was Matthias and Nina's story. Um, mm -hmm. Everything else was really cool. However... I think there was a they were very smart in making sure that Alina gave him that brooch and said, "Hey, like and this is an exchange that you don't say a single thing about me or never saw me or don't know anything about me." So it's kind of like Crows and Alina and Mal have never met or anything. So it's actually kind of a clean slate. But mm -hmm. if, if you remember in Siege and Storm, that's how Alina gets caught by the Darkling. Is the Darkling finds like the bee. Like, oh, yeah. So, the yeah, the hairpins. Yeah. So I think there's going to be a connection there. Um, what I want is like I, what I was focusing on is like I don't care about the fact that like Six of Crows started years after this trilogy because I thought about it. There is nothing besides the fact that just there's a war beforehand, but it doesn't change anything or it's not dynamic to the story for them. Not am I wrong? Maybe I am. 
please tell me, because I I know they discuss in Six of Crows about the war. I mean, how they, like, it, it's brought up. But I don't think, like, I mean, like, there's... Because I want them to... I want her, like, to... I want Lee to be able to have fun, too. I... But I also want the story. I th- I really want to see Siege and Storm. I think that'd be amazing. Um, but I would love to see the Ice Court. And I think you're right with Sturmhand. Um, I think he is definitely going to have a big role and be with the Crows. However, like, I mean, I think, I mean, Lee's going to be very careful. Because Lee was... I've heard her talk about how she... She's trying to stay to the story, give us some extra stuff, but also trying, she's not going to tear apart her story. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you, I saw you, I feel like you're thinking, what do you have to say? Please tell me. What do you think? I just, so I, I do wish that there was a way to kind of like jumpstart the ice court. I think my issue with that is the darkling. I, for me, it's hard to yeah. imagine Jurta Paran being a thing that exists and him not instantly like inserting himself into that. So that's exactly where I was going to go. So what's funny is I was thinking about it. So because that's the main the at the end of this at the end of the episode, we don't understand what the crows are talking about and getting together. Like they don't explain why they need a heart render. Mm-mm. Okay? Um so, what if they don't have to break into the ice court for something like maybe they're maybe they're breaking the ice court for something else? Maybe it has nothing oh. to do with Jerdaparim. Um, maybe it's something that is connected somehow to like. I think it could be a very interesting way. Like Nikolai could like I don't know. There's lots of ways to go with it um, because. Jirda Parem, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, if you have Jirda Parem, then it's good. Like, the Darkling would be on top of that in a hot minute. However, that would definitely give somebody like Nikolai the reason to hire someone to go and get the scientist. Mm-hmm. And then, like, but then that's going to start changing around Siege and Storm. Yeah. Like, we've got to, like, so what I hope hope happens is, like, okay, so the new actors we've got, we know that we've got, like, I mean, we're going to get something with Six of Crows. I think we're going to get some kind of, like, I mean, Ice Court story because we're getting all of our crows finally now. Um, And I don't think they would have done it, like, gotten, like, I just don't think they would have done it if they didn't need to yet. So I think we're going to get the ice court. However, there's two ways this can go. I think they could do both Siege and Storm and Six and um Six of Crows at the same time. Um however, they're going to have like I mean they could Game of Thrones had lots of stories go on that weren't connected mm-hmm. at all for seasons. Yeah. Um our only connection was just the beginning. They don't have to connect again. You said that. Right. But another thought that I had is they could also fast track 
and do Siege and Storm and Ruin and Rising. <laughs> like, I'd hope not. Like, I mean... But, like, you could see it happening, though. Um, yeah. I'm just saying, if they... Because... But I think what will be fun and neat is I think they have an opportunity to the six like the reason I think what's going to be fun like and I have no clue what it is and I should have come up with one but changing around why the crows go to the ice ice court I think it's going to have something to actually do with connecting the stories a little bit yeah somehow I guess, I guess for me I just I. I really hope that every book gets its own season. I just, oh, I think yeah. I would love to see it spaced out that way. Um, I mean, selfishly, like I would love to have, you know, the, I, you know, Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom get its own season because I would love to see some Triumvirate and Nikolai backstory happening yeah. on the side. You know what I mean? Um, so we'll, we'll see. I just, um, I hope the show continues to do well. I hope it continues to be popular. I hope Netflix continues to give Eric Heiserer a lot of cash. I know. So, And I agree. Like, I want every book to have a season or a movie. And I was worried when they said that they were putting all these characters together, like, in this season. Because I was like, that's amazing, but it's scary. It did great. Um, however... Now, I mean, I'm sorry, but it is totally built up for them to go directly into the ice court story. I mean, but it's also has to go into the direction of Siege and Storm, too. So, yeah. I mean, you know what? I, that's why I'd, I, you had a really good one. You put out episodes and des decisions. I think, <laughs> um, I was more like, and then something happens with Nikolai and then we go over here. Like it was not that well thought out. <laughs> well, pretty much like, I mean, my ending would be the end. Like, I mean, Vasily would die. I mean, we'd have the end of that. Like, I mean, I do hope that the end of season two is like that last scene should be a shot of Alina opening her eyes and her having white hair. And going, oh, that should be how it ends. Because that um I love that part. Yeah. Um, I do. And um I just think it's really cool. But yeah, it, it's hard. So, anyways, I think we did good for writing yeah. in the writer's room. <laughs> totally. So, okay, so the next part is gonna be fun. This is our we took the Grishaverse cast, um, cast, we just um, put them all in high school. So, this is the senior class of Grishaverse High 2022, y'all. Okay, so, this started out with me just having the idea of wanting to give the character superlatives, and it's tr it changed. So, anyways, um, we both had a list and decided to give each character, like, Put each one with them. So anyways, I'm going to let you go first because mine got a little out of hand and I promise I'll go quickly. But, or do you think we should do back and forth? Um, I don't know. What do you prefer? Here I am in high school. Uh, let's see. Okay. Let's go. You do yours and then I'll do mine because okay. I think that All will right. make more sense. I'll do mine. So 
valedictorian. Mm-hmm. I know it seems like David is the obvious answer, but I'm going to go with Tolia here. I think Tolia is like really studying hard. And I think David's like off chasing butterflies. I I thought about David too, but I knew he wouldn't want to get up on stage and do it. Also good point. Mm-hmm. Um, class clown, Tamar. I think she's just got it. That girl's hilarious. And like, you know, the axes are key prank material. Absolutely. Senior class president is our girl, our girl Zoya, ruling through fear and intimidation. Most likely to repeat senior year, Mal, I'm sorry. It's just, it, we know it's Mal. I'm I really, did the really, same thing. Okay, like I hate I hate that that's what springs to mind, but but that's where it is. I know. Um, most likely to be on a reality show, um, Yuri. I know it's kind of a hot take, but I feel like he has a lot to say and, you know, a desire for, for kind of stardom. It's a, I love that you, you did that because I mean, I thought of Yuri too. I, um, anyways, continue. That's great. Um, most school spirits is Jenya, but like in an understated way. Okay. Like yeah. she, you know, she like, you know, is the one who helps, uh, you know, organize the prom and like does all the behind the scenes stuff because she really cares and wants it to be a nice place for everybody because mm-hmm. that's the genuine we know and love. Prom queen. Um, this one I actually had a hard time with, but I think Alina, but kind of like by accident. Okay. Like she did, like wasn't, she didn't actually get, no, she didn't it was win. like a no, it's like at the end of every teen movie where the star, yeah. you know, the nerd suddenly becomes prom queen. Oh, yeah. Captain of the football team is obviously Ivan. Oh my God, that's amazing. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And then head cheerleader is obviously Marie. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> those are my answers. That's awesome. Okay, so those of you that know me, I go a little crazy. So when I started this, I was just going through the list and figuring out. However, it then turned into like literally like an actual high school with the entire Grishaverse cast in there. So get ready because I added things and it, it'll, yeah. Okay, so my valedictorian, I um, put Wylan. And then class clown is Nikolai. <laughs> Senior class president, this is going to sound weird, I know, is Inej, but I just think she would kind of, I know, I I just think she's kind of unchar- in charge. Most likely to repeat senior year was Mal. Um, oh, I did the same thing. Most likely to be on a reality show, otherwise known as Crazy Pants, Dunyasha from Crooked Kingdom. <laughs> That's such a good answer. I love it. Okay, but wait till this next one. Okay, this is going to throw you off because it gets really kind of crazy. So maybe I should probably... uh, Yeah, because you're going to think I'm insane. So I'm going to skip real quickly to the captain of the football team. The captain of the football team I actually gave to the Darkling. And the reason (laughs) why is because I couldn't get out of my head that the prom queen... And the head cheerleader usually were two different people, if not, and they always kind of wanted to be with the Darkling. Mm. So I gave head cheerleader to Alina, and then the prom queen is Zoya, because they actually had 
you know, kind of trying to, but then that led me on this really crazy path. This is where it gets a little nuts. So my most school spirit goes to the apparat because I love just imagining <laughs> the apparat, like just being so, so I told you, I put everyone in here. So I, I want a visual of it. like, okay. So then this is where I started adding some things. So I realized I didn't have some characters. So the principal, by the way, is Kaz. <laughs> like I, cause I was like, he'd rule everything. Okay. Well, that's the principal, uh-huh. right? Okay. So then, um, most likely to skip. Well, that's Jesper, of course. Yeah. And then I've got the ISS administrator slash coach of the football team is Matthias. Yes. And now I put Nina in here. She's a student who's a troublemaker who just cannot, who's getting in trouble on purpose to get in in school suspension. Wow. I know. And I'm almost done. Lunch lady. I gave that to Bagra. And then Pekka Rollins is the janitor. So I, and I could have gone further, but we had to end it. So, um, yeah, I told you, but it was fun. I had what, what this, which I love all of these things, by the way, but this has given just Pekka Rollins with his, um, kind of like red beard and sideburns will now forever be in my head as the groundskeeper from the Simpsons. (laughs) Like, thank thank you for that image that I will never, for the life of me, be able to get in my head. That was amazing. Well, mine is the apparat um, wearing some kind of, like, the male cheerleader's uniform. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I want to see it. I the really... man's enthusiastic about his own passion, so he, we'll, we'll get Exactly. That. That's why I was like, he's got the most school spirit because, I mean, he is so passionate <laughs> about... His stuff, his cult. Um, okay, so we've got a what if. You have a what if. You came I up. Do have what, yeah, I have a what if for you. So here's what it is. So what if Zoya had stayed loyal to the Darkling at the end of Shadow and Bone and didn't go to fight for Alina? This is a brilliant one because you know it means a lot to me. And everything would change um, because that's just a very big part. Um, It's huge. So she wouldn't, she wouldn't be helping. I, I, she, it scares me because I don't know if she would ever go back to be on the right side because it was, if she wasn't, upset with the darkling at that moment then there's never going to be another moment that like i mean she would like i mean yeah that was the moment where she was finally like okay i have followed his power and like that is insane like that's too much that's where i draw the line and if she didn't draw the line there then she totally would just be with him she would be his second in command um i think he would almost actually start to i think he'd kind of start to forget about alina because zoya is really powerful you got to remember he she was like his best student i think he would try to start molding her into her own like very special power like try to go get the amplifiers and like give them to her 
Um, I just think it'd, it'd go very dark. I don't think we'd end up where we are, which my favorite thing is, you know, Zoya being queen, and she wouldn't end there. She wouldn't be there. I, She'd die along the line, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I, I think that she's enough of a realist that, you know, after Alina would defeat the Darkling, you know, she would, she would get a pardon, right? She, she would switch sides. I just, I see her being just enough of a kind of pragmatic to do that. But at the same time, I agree. Like, I don't think, you know, if she didn't turn then, you know, you don't really see her ever rising to be in the triumvirate or kind of having that role of power. Um, you just kind of see her being like a mid-level and very resentful Grisha kind of for the rest of her life, which is just, which is just sad, sad. but yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. This, this wasn't meant to be sad. No, but I mean, it's just true because I mean, we care. The only reason she is a member of the triumvirate is because she gains Alina's trust through Mm -hmm. all that stuff when she was horrible to Alina. So, I mean, you're right. So, I mean, I, if she didn't, turn back and then I don't think there would be ever a way that she'd get there because she wouldn't learn the lessons and even if she got pardoned she still wouldn't be part of the government she wouldn't be able to help she wouldn't be she wouldn't end up with Nikolai she wouldn't oh my god she wouldn't get to meet Juris and get all this power she wouldn't like so much stuff so um that one dynasty I know that is such a I never realized how that one thought just, thank God she does it. Whew. Because I love where it goes. But (laughs) that's a good one. So our very last segment is, we're calling it, What Are We Reading? And we just kind of, I I know Amelia wants to share some different suggestions um, of what you could read. And I also want to like talk about, you know, what are we actually reading? What do we love? So- Yeah. So Eric and I were talking about like, what do we read after we've, you know, reread Shadow and Bone, the Grishaverse several times, and you're looking for something new, but you still love like certain elements of it. Yeah. Um, And, you know, for me, one of the things that I'm kind of a sucker for is fantasy or sci-fi novels that are kind of Russia inflected or inspired. Um, You know, and I, I love that about the Grishaverse. It's very fun. There's a, a series of novels that are more sci-fi than fantasy, um, but they're not super sciencey. That are called the Borkosigan Saga, and they're by uh, a woman named Lois McMaster Bujold. And the world is very Russia inflected. Um, and one of the main characters, a character named Miles, is crafty and plotting and clever in a way that would give Kaz Brecker a run for his money. Uh So highly encourage you all to check out uh, the Vorkosigan saga. And there's a million of them. So you can, you can read a lot of them. That's awesome. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, so I am one, I have to, I just read this and I just had the I when it comes out, you need to read The Lost Dreamer. That was actually an incredible book. Um, it comes out March first, but it really is a great because what I like is unique fantasy. I, I'm I'm if things get I hate reading things that are too like have so many similarities and they're different worlds, but they're so similar and like, you know, I just I can't stand that stuff. I mean, so I love it when it's unique. Um 
We already talked Holly Black. I love the, I I love 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 the Cruel Prince trilogy, um, just because it's new. Um, however, I am on this. I love fairy tales. I'm on this really big kick of reading some retellings and trying to find some really good ones. Um, that's the hard part because some of them aren't. I'm reading right now something called Spindle Fire, and I'm actually really enjoying it. Sleeping Beauty is my all-time favorite um, next to Snow White. And this is a really good retelling. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, so I like that. Um, yeah. So may, I, may I recommend another fairy, t- a fairy retelling for you? Yes, please do. So I'm- it's called Spinning Silver and it's by Naomi Novik. And it's also okay. Russian inflected. Um, the, it's a Rumpelstiltskin retelling. Okay. But the main character is a Jewish woman. What? In kind of, yeah, wait for it. In kind of like medieval Ukraine, Russia. But she's the money lender. And so she has to go and collect money from everybody in the town because her father hates to go ask for money, but like they're starving. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so beautiful. It's got some really interesting fantasy twists to it. Spinning silver. It's amazing. I will check that out. A Jew, like, I mean, see, that's funny because I'm Jewish, but I, Jews don't <laughs> belong in fantasy. I don't think like we're too like, oi. I mean, it's just, um, so I can't imagine them in fantasy, but that's amazing. Um, I will have to check that out. Um, another one I'm reading right now actually is I've started, started the Dragonlance series, which is um, one of the books um series that inspired lee um and it's kind of cool to read those because you can start to see where she you can actually see the inspiration it's amazing to see that stuff so i love it um yeah and i'm i'm reading that but i'm really um fairy tales and fairies like i mean like i love like i mean the cruel prince was great however my favorite um stories about fairies actually is um it's the iron um it's by julie kagawa she is not anywhere like i mean which is crazy these were written 10 written 10 years ago um but read the first it's called the iron king and i love it because if you've read shakespeare in a midsummer night's dream then this is like it reminds it's alice in wonderland meets fairyland but like off of actual folklore. So, like, I mean, Titania and Puck are actually real fairies, which I think is really cool to put in there. Um, yeah, so, anyways, I love everything fairies. That sounds really, really fun. It is. Um, another one that I wanted to recommend for people who just love, like, any, like, the tropes of young adult, right? So, like, young women finding their powers, like, love triangles, like, Legend Born by Stacy, mm. excuse me, by Tracy Dion is so good. It came out about two years ago. It's run, it's won a ton of awards. The sequel's coming out this summer. The premise is that, well, the background is that there is a secret society in today's world of people who are descended from King Arthur and his knights. Oh, wow. And wait, it gets better, it gets better. And they fight demons. Oh, my God. Here's what makes it amazing. The heroine is a young black woman who kind of confronts this 
secret society um, that is not welcoming to her um, and still has to kind of find her place and her destiny. It's so good. Wow. So good, so good. Everybody should go read it immediately. That's awesome. That is really, that's and you actually just helped me realize that I remember like specifically when I did finish everything Grisha verse, the only book I, that it took me a while to find it, but the series, um, the dark, a darker shade of magic. When I picked that up, that was like, Oh my God. Okay. Thank God. And that was great. There's only three of them right now. Um, however, isn't she doing another one? She's writing another three. It's going to be so great. Really? Oh my gosh. Um, She's right. They're called Threads of Power and it's going to be another trilogy and she's writing the first one right now. I'm so excited. Okay. Those are so good. Please. I thought she forgot about it, to be honest, because like, um, I just all these other books, but that is an amazing one that, yeah, love Darker Shade of Magic. And yeah, I think those are the ones that got me through Darker Shade of Magic discovering holly black because they were like the fairy thing was really good for me um i loved that but darker shade of magic is some really wicked like intense like cool stuff and i love things with maps so um, so another there so fairies kind of um there's there's a trilogy called well the first one is called city of brass and it's basically they're gin instead of fairies because it's um I don't want to say middle just... inflected because that's too narrow, but um it's it's really, really excellent. And I'm yeah. reading the last one right now. Really good. Okay. I will definitely try it. Um yeah, because I, I love all that stuff. Um are there any I, I know we were just talking about reading, but is there any shows you recommend? <laughs> Oh gosh, TV shows. I know I don't watch a lot of it. I, wa- I mean, I, I, I watch a things. lot of bad TV. Oh, you watch I, bad TV? I watch, yeah. I just mm. um, really watch bad TV. I know mm. a lot of yous out there. I am um, Chris, um, my husband, and I, we just have like, we just stream everything. So I've been watching a lot of streaming stuff. But uh, I can't wait. Reading is where it's at. I'm actually going to go and pleasure read for the first time in a very long time this af- this afternoon. So, uh, well, um, Amelia, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun to talk about a book we love so much. I really appreciate you having me on here. Well, thank you so much for being such an amazing member of my staff and thank you for coming on. And this is not the last time. Um, this is like... I love it because I knew we were going to have fun when we reached like our 40 minute mark and we just did our (laughs) intro questions. So that means we needed to talk. So anyways, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Love you listeners. Um, I'll see you guys next week. So long live the Grishaverse. Like we're at the end of the hour. So my voice is a little husky. It was. No No mourners. No funerals. This has been GrishaCast. Connect with us on the web at GrishaCast.com. Send an email to info at GrishaCast.com. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. And thank you so much to our amazing, amazing staff, Chris, Alex, Michelle 
and Chloe.